book of Mark. Mark, we have been using as a text Mark chapter 10. Praise God. Mark chapter 10, and we uh, are using these verses because they seem to describe, uh, offer the best description of what Mark's gospel is really all about. So Mark chapter 10, and we will read beginning with verse number 42, Mark 10 and 42. But Jesus called them to him and saith unto them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Amen. What powerful words Jesus spoke. And they are especially powerful when you consider uh, to whom Mark is writing and the effect that those words must have had upon the hearers. Amen. We'll talk about that in just a moment uh, as we do a brief review. But right now, I want us just to uh, put our Bibles down, lift our hands, lift our voices, lift our hearts. Let's ask the Lord to talk to us today. I really believe God wants to tell us something today if we can just plug into the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let, let's talk to the Lord, everybody, right now. Can we do that? Let's talk to him. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, let's worship him together before we're seated, everybody. Let's praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost trying to move in this house today. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We have been, uh, since the first of the year, looking at the gospel according to Mark. We've been trying to get through uh, Mark's gospel, and uh, this is the uh, result of what started a number of years ago as we began a journey through the Bible, began in the book of Genesis, and I had great plans of just kind of giving an overview and 
teaching one book of the Bible each week, just kind of let you know what the books were about. We didn't get very far before uh, those plans were uh, thrown to the wayside, and, and we started going deeper until we reached the point during the study of the book of Matthew that we were literally just going verse by verse. Spent three years on the book of Matthew. And uh, <clears throat> so when we got to the first of the year and started into the book of Mark, I, I said to the church that uh, we were not going to spend as much time on Mark as we had Matthew for a number of reasons. Uh, the main one being that everything that is in the book of Mark, most everything, about 80 to 90 percent of what is in the book of Mark, we have either already discuss, uh, discussed in Matthew or will discuss in Luke and so we don't want to be redundant in our studies. And so I said, we're just going to take a group of scriptures at a time, not a verse at a time, and we're going to move through this fairly quickly. Well, again, it has now been six months. In fact, we are into the first Sunday of month seven, and uh, we have not finished chapter one yet. So that's the way plans are. So I don't make any promises anymore. I'm, I'm through making promises. We just take things as they unfold, um, and that's what we're going to do today. Uh, it is my intention, as it was in the last lesson a month ago, to try to finish the book of Mark today. We don't have much farther to go, and we will have this, uh, not the book of Mark, but the first chapter of Mark. We'll have this chapter completed, just a few verses, and um, I I thought about trying to go on into chapter 2, decided against it because we're getting ready to start revival. I don't know when I'll be back to teach on it again, so I thought we'll just wait, start a new chapter when I've got the time to stay with it for a little while. And uh, so we're, gonna, we're just going to go, uh, if, if the Lord will help us, to the end of this chapter today. And, and uh, if you get out a little early, I've never had anybody complain about getting dismissed early. That's right. I've I've never I've never heard anybody complain. Somebody, a preacher, made a statement one time. He said, "I've never." Uh, there, he said, "There's no such thing as a bad 15-minute sermon." Well, he hadn't heard some of the 15-minute sermons I've heard, but um, I know what he meant. Praise God. All right, let's let's talk a little bit about the Book of Mark here. Let's just just for sake of review, because it has been so long. Let me remind you of a few things. We spent three years talking about Matthew, and Matthew uh, divinely inspired by God, and we do believe that every word of Scripture was God breathed. There is no verse in this book that we're going to cut out, or reject, or ignore. Amen. And, and, and so we believe that God inspired Matthew to write. But one thing we can tell by Matthew's writings was that he was inspired to reach uh, specifically to the Jewish people. We can tell that by the way that he writes, the things that he says, the way that he incorporates Jewish tradition, the way that he constantly refers back to the prophets and the law and he is bringing all of that about. And, and he wanted to show the Jews that Jesus was their Messiah, that he was their long-anticipated king. Now we look at the book of Mark, and in stark contrast, uh, Mark writes to a totally different audience. Again, inspired by God, um, but 
But he's writing now to a different group of people. Mark is not writing to Jewish people. And, and, and we can tell it. Again, it's, it's obvious. If you read the book uh, and, and notice there are things about this book that, that help you to see the clues in it, help you to see that Mark's not really focusing on the Jews as he writes. Uh, he makes very little reference to the Old Testament. He does not refer uh, for the most part to Jewish customs. In fact, he uses Roman measurements and Roman currency in the, in the stories and the parables that he relates. Mark converts these things so that the Roman mind can better comprehend them. And, and where Matthew spends a great deal of time on the, the lessons and sermons of Jesus, Mark is doing something totally different. In fact, in our last lesson, I pointed out to you how that uh, the, the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount is three chapters in Matthew's gospel and does not even receive a mention in Mark's gospel. Not because it's not important but because it was not a part of what God was using Mark to accomplish. Mark, rather than trying to talk about the teachings of Jesus, focused his book on the works of Jesus. Where Matthew painted the Lord as the king, Mark paints him as the servant. And you understand that a king speaks, so Matthew records his words. But a servant acts. So Mark records his deeds. Are you with me? Mark's gospel is a running narrative. I don't know if you've taken the time. I've said this many times. I don't know. I don't know. I hope. I hope. I hope that you don't just think of the book of Mark when we're talking about it on Sunday morning. I, I hope that some of you are going home and looking at the book of Mark as well. And some of these things that I'm telling you, you're going and finding for yourself. If you haven't, there's no better time than now to start. But when you do, you're going to notice. You're going to notice how many, first of all, how many chapters in Mark start with the word and. That tells us it is just one continual story. In fact, one scholar said, you really cannot understand the book of Mark until you sit down and just read it from beginning to end without stopping. And when you do, you begin to get a picture of things happening and happening quickly. Mark continually uses words like straightway and immediately and forthwith. I mean, it's popping according to Mark. It's from one miracle to another miracle to another miracle. And he is showing us the great power. And yet while he's showing power, he is showing that Jesus did not use this power to gain positions over men. But instead he used his power as a servant to others. This was important to the Romans because the Romans loved to have preeminence. They loved their titles. They loved their positions. They loved to have others answer to them. And Mark wanted to show them that the greatest man that ever lived, the man with more power and more authority than any other individual, did not lord it over the people. 
Instead, he came as a servant and suffered for the people's sake. Hallelujah. Amen. And so, so this is, this is the, the overriding theme as we go through this book. It's what we see time and time again, this, this common theme. Even in our text, as I said, we, we see what Jesus says here. It's one of the few times that Mark chooses to record the words of Jesus. And it's because of the significance of what Jesus said. Jesus made it clear in our text. He said, this is the way the Gentiles do it. They exercise authority over others. They like to put themselves in lordship over others. But Jesus said, it's not to be that way among my followers. You need to humble yourself and serve others. Well, thank God for the one amen. But it's true. And that's the message that's the message of Mark. And so we've been trying to get through this first chapter of Mark. We've, we've, we've talked about the outline of the book. I won't go into all of that. We've been trying to make our way through um, this book. And as I said, we've gotten down to the last few verses of the book. And in fact, even started into the last story. Not of the book. I keep saying the book. Of the chapter. Uh, we, we'd even gotten into the last couple of verses of the chapter and then kind of got um, Holy Ghost sidetracked. And um, the Lord stepped in and began doing some things and um, began touching people. And, and uh, the Lord just showed up to meet some needs that morning. And so that's as far as we got. And I don't ever apologize for that. I don't, I don't ever apologize for that. Praise God. Amen. But we're going to go back and start back into this story now so that we can cover it in its entirety. Um, Mark chapter 1, if you've got your Bibles, uh, this is Bible study time. You can't study something you don't have in front of you. Praise God. It's Bible study time. So get your Bibles. Open to Mark chapter 1. And we're going to begin with verse number 40. Uh, let's read, first of all, verses 40 through 42. Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 42. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. Now, I, I, I want to just make this statement and, and then move on, but, but it is significant in the things that I've been telling you, the contrast between Matthew's gospel and Mark's gospel. Not, not contradiction, contrast. There's a difference. The contrast between these two gospels, um, this miracle, the healing of this leper, appears obviously in chapter 1 of Mark. It's one of the first things that Mark is telling us that takes place in the ministry of Jesus. And yet in Matthew's gospel, this doesn't appear until chapter 8. So you see that Matthew was focused on many other things. And like I said, uh, chapters 5, 6, and 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. And this miracle happened as Jesus came down from the mountain where he had taught the Sermon on the Mount. So the Sermon on the Mount had taken place if you're looking at it chronologically in the book of Mark, 
that sermon had been preached between verse 39 and verse 40 of chapter 1, the book of Mark. Is everybody with me? So he's finished the Sermon on the Mount. He comes down from the mountain, and he performs this miracle. And Matthew told about it in chapter 8. Mark's telling about it in chapter 1. Now, the other thing that we need to notice about this is that, that it's, it's no accident. Listen, and, and please don't, don't misunderstand when I say Mark chose or Mark. I don't want you to be confused in what I'm telling you. I believe the Holy Ghost prompted these men. I believe the Holy Ghost directed these men. Holy men of old wrote as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Right? So, so it's not an accident. It's not a coincidence that if God is prompting Mark to give us a gospel that will fit into the Roman mindset that God would want Mark to record this miracle... Because this is not just any sickness. This is not just any disease. You know, church, I've, I've been around long enough. I've, I've been in church long enough that I've seen a lot of things um, fall under the title of Pentecostal. I've seen a lot of things that people have blamed on the Holy Ghost that really the Holy Ghost was nowhere to be found. There have been a lot of men that have gone around claiming to be great faith healers, and yet you go to their meetings, and you know what gets healed in their meetings? You've got high cholesterol. I'm going to heal that. Well, how do you prove that? It hasn't been diagnosed yet, but you've got a, you, you've got a tumor, and, and God's going to heal that now. How do you prove that? Right? There are many, many of these so-called miracles that when they start claiming God's doing all these things, there's no way to verify whether it happened or didn't happen. You understand? And that's what a lot of these men, that's how they make their money. It's how they build a name for themselves is by finding things that cannot be proven and letting God use them to heal these things. But Mark tells us the story of the healing, not of a man with cholesterol, not of a man with high blood sugar, and God can heal those things. But Mark records for us the story of the healing of a leper. Now listen, Mark's already talked to us um, about some other things that Jesus did, but but in looking at those things, somebody could stand back and say, well, I don't know if it was really real. I don't know. But when he gets to this one, I'm going to tell you, if you've ever seen someone with leprosy or seen any pictures of people with leprosy, there's no doubt that they've got it. There's no question this is not being faked. Some of these so-called faith healers, even, even when you see them get somebody out of a wheelchair, you might want to watch the crowds that come in through the back door to the stage who go and find that wheelchair for the first time and then suddenly get healed during the service. There's no question that it's faked. But you can't fake this. 
A man with leprosy has a death sentence over him. There was no cure for leprosy. In fact, there still is no cure for leprosy. It is still a disease that will destroy. You will die. This is a death sentence, and it's obvious that the man has it. And so Mark chooses here under the guidance of the Spirit of God to relate to us a story that nobody could question. There's no question this happened. There's no question this was genuine. Here was a disease that no doctor has ever been able to find a cure for, but Jesus, with just a few simple words... took care of the problem by saying I will be thou clean leprosy existed no more oh hallelujah hallelujah he chose to deal with what may have been the worst most dread disease in bible times but it was no problem for God in flesh oh hallelujah and this is where this is where we got got interrupted last time. I was trying to get through this, and and um, I, I, I don't want to cut God out if He wants to do it again. But but I, I don't want to be redundant either. But I'm just telling you that we've got to get a revelation that there is nothing in our lives that is too hard for the God that we serve. Sarah. Go ahead and laugh, but it's not too hard for God to touch a 90-year-old woman and cause her to give birth if that's what God wants to happen. Nebuchadnezzar, go ahead and make your brags that nobody's going to be able to save uh, someone that's in your hands. But I'm going to tell you, there's nothing too hard for the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Nothing is too hard for God. And, and, and listen, this is, this is one aspect of it I didn't get into in the last lesson, and I do think that it is worth pointing out to you. And this is not in my notes, but I'm, I'm feeling this right now. I want you to see, I want you to see, if you're still looking, you're looking at your Bible, Mark chapter 1. Um, I want you to see what happens Jesus, this is verse 41, moved with compassion, put forth his hand, touched him. He touched him. But I submit to you, and don't misunderstand me, I submit to you, nothing happened at the moment of the touch. And I'm going to prove that to you. In fact, you still got it there. Read for me. He put forth his hand and touched him. And saith unto him. And saith unto him. I will, I will be, thou, be clean. thou clean. And as soon as, and spoken, as soon as he had spoken. Mark says he touched him first, but nothing happened at the touch. But when he spoke, hallelujah, when he spoke, listen to me, saints of God, there is power in the word of God. 
This is why the devil doesn't want you reading it. This is why the devil wants it set back on a shelf somewhere. This is why the devil would rather have you spend your time looking at field and stream or, or uh, uh, whatever else and, and just do anything except read your Bible. Because the devil knows the power that's in the word of God. That's the reason why the devil doesn't want you in church. Because he knows the power of the word of God. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the, the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. The Spirit of God moved upon the waters. But, but listen, nothing happened until God said. When God said, let there be, the spoken word of God took the nothingness that was and created the beauty and the splendor and the accuracy that is. Well, hallelujah. I don't, I don't know if you got what I just told you. It, all it took was for God to speak. And when God speaks, things start happening. Ah, look, look, we've got to get a revelation. This, this requires a revelation. Amen. This requires a revelation. We've got to understand you're not just sitting in a church service biding your time today. But at any moment while the word of God is going forth, if you've got a sickness, you can be healed by the power of the word of God. If you've got a dilemma, it can be solved by the power of the word of God. In one place the Bible says he sent his word and healed them. His word. That's all it took was his word. Hallelujah. The Gentiles. Cornelius has been praying for a long time. He's been giving much alms to the people. He's been very faithful to a God whose own people won't accept him. Well, it's the truth. The entire church up to this point was 100% Jewish and 100% of the Jews despised the Gentiles, including those that had the Holy Ghost. We know that because of what happened after this story. They didn't want to accept it. They had a hard time believing it. And so here's a man who is praying and devoting his life to a God whose people have rejected him. But it doesn't stop him. Cornelius just keeps on praying. I wish some people could get that kind of an attitude. I've seen far too many that somebody says something they don't like and I'm never going back to church again. Well, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, I've, I've, I've been pastoring now, let's see, uh, 32 years, no, it hasn't been that. Has it been that long? 32 years. Lord have mercy. I'm an old man. But I'm telling you, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it happen over and over again. 
Somebody, somebody says something, and a person gets offended, and they take it out on the church. It's the church's fault. So they don't come back. I'm glad Cornelius wasn't that way. I can promise you there were plenty of times. I, I, just, I just have to believe it. I don't know the scripture didn't say it, but I just have to believe there were times Cornelius tried to reach out because he was convinced that the God of the Jews was the real God. But obviously they wanted nothing to do with him. But he didn't get offended. You know, it's kind of like, it's, it's like the Syrophoenician woman that when Jesus called her a dog, she didn't get mad and pack her bags and say, I'm going to find another church. She said, you're right. It's exactly what I am. But you know, even the dogs like to eat the crumbs that the children just kind of push off their plate. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. I'm feeling the Holy Ghost this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. So here is a man. Here's a man serving a God who's People have rejected him, but he doesn't get dissuaded. He doesn't get discouraged. He just keeps on praying and keeps on giving. He keeps on praying. He keeps on giving. He keeps living in accordance with the precepts of God's word until one day an angel appears to him and says, Cornelius, your prayers and your alms have caught the attention of God. And God is going to do something about it. You go find an apostolic preacher by the name of Simon Peter, and he's going to tell you what you need to do. And while the angel is visiting with Cornelius, Peter's up on the rooftop praying, and God gives him a vision and says, you better get rid of your prejudice. I'm about to do something big. Oh, hallelujah. Is anybody feeling what I'm feeling right now? God says, Peter, you better get rid of that prejudice. Don't you call unclean what I have cleansed. And while he's pondering these things, he hears the knock on the door, and there's somebody there said, you got to go with us. There's a Gentile down here that an angel has appeared and told him to call on you. You got to come tell us what we've got to do. And Peter went, nothing doubting, the Bible says, nothing doubting. He knew this was not a coincidence. This was not an accident. God's hand was in what was taking place right now. And he went, nothing doubting. I like that phrase, nothing doubting. He went and he began to preach. And he preached, and he preached, and he preached. Read it. I mean, read it. Go to Acts 10 and read it. He said, you know, I said this last time, but I take comfort in the fact that, that my forefathers, the apostles, were long-winded. I'm just apostolic, that's all. I just do what the apostles did, praise God. Peter preached a long message. I mean, you can read it in Acts chapter 2. Read that sermon, and I can promise you that wasn't every word he spoke. He preached a long sermon in Acts chapter 2. He preached a long sermon in Acts chapter 10. Paul preached a long sermon that went beyond midnight. He even had somebody fall asleep while he was preaching, which I take great comfort in that too. 
Jesus preached long sermons. I've already told you the Sermon on the Mount's three chapters long, and I guarantee that's not every word he spoke. So I've got good grounds for being long-winded, praise God. But Peter preached, and he preached, and he preached. But something was happening while Peter was preaching. Because the Bible says, while Peter yet spake these what words, what words, what words were coming out of Peter's mouth? It wasn't his own opinions. It wasn't his own thoughts. You know what Peter was speaking? Peter was speaking the word of God. And while these words, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believe were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And then answered Peter, can any man forbid water which have, uh, for these that have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. But you know, it happened during the preaching. We, we, we've, got this, we've got this program in our minds that come on to call, then we'll pray. I'm going to tell you what's worse. I'm going to tell you what's worse. And I've said it, and I've said it, and I've said it. And people still do it. But I'll keep saying it. As long as people are still doing it, I'll just keep saying it. And one day, one day, those that are still doing it will finally have a... Uh, uh, a moment of revelation. But th this is, I've seen this in apostolic churches all across this nation. I've seen it. You have a good Holy Ghost service. The power of God's moving. The preachers preach. God's anointed him. And then people are in the altar and they pray. And then we're ready to dismiss. And some precious saint comes down. Would you pray for me? I'm sick. Why didn't you move while the Holy Ghost was moving? Don't wait until everything's over and the spirit's lifted and then come down wanting a miracle. I'm telling you, while Peter yet spake these words, I am saying to you right now, I don't have to anoint you with oil. That's only one way the scripture says you can be healed. I'm telling you that as I speak these words, the Holy Ghost can fall on you and God can cure whatever your sickness is. I've seen him do it. I've seen him do it. You can get your healing. You can get your deliverance. You can get your answer while the preaching's going on. If we'll plug in, if we'll plug in, God's not only trying to anoint the pulpit, he's trying to anoint the pew. If somehow we can get plugged into that same anointing, I'm telling you, you'd be surprised what God will do in your life while the preaching's going on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not, I'm not taking away from Jesus' touch. There were times that his touch did the work. I'm not taking away from that. But I'm just telling you, in this case, he touched them, and nothing happened. 
But when he spoke, the leprosy had no choice. What happened? What happened in the storm when the disciples got Jesus up? Said, don't you care that we perish? What did Jesus do? He didn't touch the clouds. He didn't stick his hand down in the sea. What did he do? He said, peace, be still. And I'm telling you, no storm can stand against the words of the master. No storm can withstand the power of the word of God. For the word of God is quick and powerful. Come on, saint of God. Let God open your understanding today. You've got to know how much power is in this book. Hallelujah. Ah, hallelujah. If we could ever, if we could ever get that understanding, I'm telling you what would happen. If we really ever got a revelation of this, we, we would approach church services much different. We wouldn't sit drowsily through a service, clipping our fingernails and checking our text messages and no, no, if we ever got a revelation of this, you know what would happen? We'd be sitting on the edge of the pew saying, all right, God, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? Your word's got power. Something is going to take place because your word's going forth. Oh, hallelujah. He did it again when he was up on the mountain praying and the disciples are out there by themselves in the midst of the sea and they're afraid they're going down. Jesus came walking to them on the water, but he didn't touch the water and he didn't touch the clouds. He just spoke. Hallelujah. Because nothing can stand against his word. You know why? Do you understand why? Because in the beginning was before there was anything else, there was the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And verse 14 said, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glories, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Do you understand that when the word is going forth, it is not any different. Listen to me. Listen to me. Don't, don't, don't take me out of context now. I'm not talking about when men put their own ideas. I'm not talking about men's opinions. I'm not talking about our commentary on the word. But I'm talking about the pure, unadulterated word of God. When it's going forth under the anointing of the spirit, there is no difference between that and Jesus himself walking these aisles. Because he is the word. Come on, child of God. Understand when the Holy Ghost is here and the word's going forth, Jesus is standing at your pew. Ooh, hallelujah. You can get what you need when the word's going forth. Hallelujah. 
you need the Holy Ghost, you don't have to wait until the altar call to receive the Holy Ghost. Cornelius received it while Peter yet spake these words. I'm telling you, there's power. There's power. The book of Ecclesiastes is where the word of a king is. There is power. And if that's true, if that's true, and I know it is because it's in the Bible, then how much more power is in the word of the king of kings? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, they may pay for it, but in a kingdom, a king can speak and his subjects can resist what he says. They may pay for it, but they can resist. But I'm going to tell you, when God speaks, when God speaks, all of the devils in hell cannot resist. Oh, I, Lord, I've, I've got, I'm trying to finish this chapter, Brother Jared. I'm trying to, I'm trying to finish this chapter, but man, I'm fi- look, look, have, have you ever, have you ever taken the time to go and study the many examples of Jesus casting out devils. Have you ever done it? You ever just look at it? Look at, look at what happens. I can't think of a time that Jesus did what many people do to try to cast out devils. I, I, just, I, I just don't. I, I, in fact, I, it seems like it was, we just dealt with it as we were going through Mark chapter 1, didn't we deal with the casting out a devil in Mark chapter 1? Uh, in, in, in chapter 1, verse 21, they went into Capernaum. Straightway the Sabbath day entered the synagogue and taught, and they were astonished his doctrine. He taught them as one that had authority, not as the scribes. There was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know who thou art, the Holy One of God. Are you looking at your Bible? Are you looking at your Bible? Verse 25, and Jesus laid hands on him. Oh, that's not what it says, is it? I challenge you to find a place where Jesus laid hands on a devil-possessed individual. You know what he did do? Jesus rebuked him. Jesus spoke. He spoke. He spoke. And he said, hold thy peace and come out of him. And the spirit came out. We're not there yet, and I don't want to get ahead of myself because who knows how many years it will be before we get to Mark chapter 5 at the rate we're going right now. I don't know, but, but in Mark chapter 5, you can read it for yourself. This is where Jesus... Jesus gets off the boat in, in, in the land of Gennesaret. And, and here there is a man that's living among the tombs that nobody could bind and nobody could help. And he comes running to Jesus. And he cries out. This is Mark, this is Mark chapter 5. And in verse Six, when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God, thou torment me not. For he said unto him, for he said unto him, he said unto him, 
Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, what is thy name? And he answered, my name is Legion, for we are many. I don't know how many, but I do know this. There were 2,000 pigs that those spirits went into. And you can't have one spirit in two pigs or three pigs. There had to be at least 2,000 demonic spirits living in this man. But 2,000 spirits were nothing against the word of the one true and living God. When Jesus spoke, they said, don't torment us. Torment you? How is he tormenting you? I'll tell you how. By the power of the word. You can't stand against the word, can you, devil? You can't stand against the power of the word of God. Hallelujah. Even in his weakest moment, 40 days of fasting, and he's there in the wilderness, and the devil shows up. The coward that he is, he waits until Jesus reaches his weakest physical moment, and then he comes to tempt him. But you know what? Jesus didn't try to fight the devil. Jesus didn't have a wrestling match. Jesus didn't call for crucifixes, holy water. Jesus didn't lay hands. You know what Jesus did? Every time the devil hit him with a temptation, Jesus said, it is written. You can't stand it, can you, devil? You hate that word, don't you, devil? You, you can't handle it when we stand on the word of God. Oh, saint of God, why don't you get a hold of this this morning? Why don't you understand there is power in what's happening at this very moment? Those tormenting spirits can be made to leave While I'm preaching, while I'm preaching, it's not because of me. It's, I don't have any power in my words. That's why I said it's not my commentary that's got power. It's not my opinions that's got power. I'm not God, but the word is. According to John 1 and 1, the word is God. So if it's just the word, there's power. There's power. There's power. There's power. Hallelujah. 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 His word said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. That's his word. That's his word. There's power in that word. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody ought to get a miracle here today. Somebody ought to get a miracle here today. Somebody ought to be healed. Praise God. Let's just love the Lord for a moment, can we? Let's love the Lord. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I thank you, God. Thank you for what I feel right now. Thank you for the presence of God that's in this place right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for every heart you're dealing with at this moment. Thank you for every soul you're stirring right now, God. Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith, God. Help us, Lord. Help us to understand the power of the word of God.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now listen, listen. I don't want you to misunderstand me. I want to be careful here. We are a people of the name. We love the name. We love the name. We believe in the power that's in that name. But do you understand that the Bible says that God has magnified his word even above all his name? Well, hallelujah. God has magnified the word above the name. I'm glad I'm a person of the name, but I'm going to tell you, we better be people of the word. And if we're people of the word, we'll be people of the name. Well, hallelujah. Because you're not going to find baptizing, saying Father, Son, and Holy Ghost in the word. If we're going to be people of the word, we're going to use the name. Oh, hallelujah. I've got to try to finish this. It's going to be it's going to be hard for me to deal with. If we finish this service today and I didn't get any farther in the scripture today than I did a month ago, it's going to be hard for me to deal with, but I may just have to deal with it. Praise God. But I got to do what I feel right now. I've told this before. It's been a while since I told it. So let me, please bear with me as I tell you again. I remember as, as, as a, a young man, of course, I you know, wasn't raised in the church. Um, uh, God filled me with the Holy Ghost when I was 12 years old, and none of my family was living for God. Thank God he saved them later. Thank God my mom's here now and, and uh, living for God. And, but, but, but when I came in the church, nobody, nobody, uh, was, was living for God. I didn't know much about the word. I didn't know much about the scriptures. And, 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 and thankfully, God began to save my family members, and, and, and they began to come in. And there was a day, there was a day, and I don't know, I don't know how old I was. My mom might remember. I don't know. But, but I must have been maybe 13, something like that. And, and uh, I, had a, I had something happen. Still don't know what it was, but, but all my, my, my fever had shot up. It had just skyrocketed, and then uh, I began to bleed out both of my nostrils, we couldn't get it, the blood to stop. It was just pouring out until finally I just, they brought a bucket over and I just laid my head over the bed. I couldn't, couldn't do anything. And, and I still don't know what happened, but the blood was continuing. I had an aunt there that had been raised around an apostolic church and, and she, she was there and they were trying to get my fever down. They were trying to do what they could. And finally she said, you know what, I've got a scripture in my Bible that will stop blood. She said, I'm going home to get it. She drove to her house, came back in a few minutes with her Bible. It was marked there. Ezekiel chapter 16 and verse 6. He said, when I passed by thee and I saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee when thou wast in thy blood, live. And she read it. I said, read it again, and she read it again. I said, read it again. She read it again, and she stood there and read it and read it. And as she read it, we watched the blood begin to stop as God's word began to take effect. I was disturbed. I was disturbed. Some months later, I was at a camp meeting, and I heard a well-meaning preacher get up and say, these people who want to use the scripture to heal, we don't need the scripture. We got the name. 
Well, I'm sorry, my friend, but you are sadly mistaken. There is power in the scripture. There is power in the word. In fact, what gives the name its power is the validity of the word. My name is meaningless if I don't have any character. But if I've got integrity and I've got character, then my name means something when people hear it. And I'm telling you, I love his name. I believe in his name. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I love the name, but I'm telling you the reason the name works is because of the integrity of the one who is behind that name that's why it works because we can trust in him we can put our faith in him it's impossible for him to lie why that's why for 20 years for more than 20 years now I've done my best to try to found this work on the word of God you know church you know we've had our shouting services and I love it but I'm going to tell you most of the time when we get through shouting we're going to sit down and we're going to hear the word because there's power in that word there's power in that word. I love to shout. I love to dance. Feel like I could do a little bit of it this morning. Hallelujah. But I'm going to tell you the power, the power's not in the shout and the power's not in the dance, but the power is in the word of God. Oh, let's praise him. Let's praise him. My Lord. I don't know what some of you are waiting on this morning. I, I know what I feel in my spirit. I know what I feel in my spirit. And I'm telling you, there are some folks here in this service today that have got needs, but you just keep waiting. You just keep waiting. You just keep waiting. I don't know what you're waiting on. I'm telling you, at the moment, at the moment that the word goes forth and the Holy Ghost is upon it, that's when you ought to just jump up and claim whatever it is you're needing from God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, saints of God. This is what it's all about.
Oh, come on, saints of God. Let's rejoice in victory right now. Let's rejoice in victory right now. Jesus. I love you, Jesus. He sent his word and healed them. He sent his word and healed them. He sent his word and healed them. Hallelujah. Anybody else today? Anybody else need something from God? I'm telling you right now is the time to move. Right now is the time to get it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Oh, there's victory in the house. There's wonder-working power in the house. He carobo shoto la mahasa tarayenda la baha. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's praise him, everybody. Let's entertain his presence right now. I still feel like God's waiting on somebody. I don't know who, I don't know what, but I feel like God's waiting on somebody right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the confidence we can have in you. Oh, you're faithful, God. You're faithful. Great is thy faithfulness. Hallelujah. Come on, it's not too late. It's not too late. I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I praise your name. I praise your name. I praise your name. My Lord, my Lord, my Lord. Ah, God. Oh, Jesus, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. God, 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 God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Don't, don't stand there and say, well, the preacher needs to come to me. God, let the preacher come to me. No, no. No, no. James said, let him call for the elders of the church. God's wanting you to have enough faith to make a step. Hallelujah. Oh, my God, my God, my God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. My Lord, my Lord, my Lord. Let's praise him, let's praise him, let's praise him. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. God, we exalt you. We magnify you. We lift you up, God. We worship you, God. We praise you, God. We need you, God. Oh, come on. Let's love him a little bit. Let's love him a little bit. I'd hate to go home with my problem today knowing that God's here to take care of it. I'd hate to just pack up the same old situation, keep carrying it around when I know that God's here. His word is available to take care of it right now. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. today. I'm claiming my promise. God has promised to me. Then crown his word. I believe the devil can't stop it. Blessings on its way. I'm claiming my promise today. I'm claiming my promise. God has promised to me. I'm standing my ground. His word I believe. The devil can't stop it. Blessings on its way. I'm claiming my promise today. I'm claiming my promise. God has promised to me. I'm standing my ground. His word I believe. The devil can't stop it. Blessings on its way. I'm claiming 